those of you that are joining us for LiveGate, through LiveGate Outreach TV, or you are listening to the podcasts on um, uh, pod, Apple Podcasts, or you are listening to it on Buzzsprout, the audios, you are also very welcome, and we believe that God will reach you right where you are also, in Jesus' name. Amen. We have been on a series which we will end today on um, sanctification by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It has been a, a, a nine-part series. We have done eight sessions so far. You can see we started with the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God. We looked at the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gifts of healings, the gift of miracles, the gift of prophecy, the discernment of spirits and uh, the gift of diverse tongues and interpretation of tongues and God took us through in a very uh, very very impactful fashion using various ministers in the house on each of these topics and I want to encourage you they're all presently on our uh, channels both on audio and video please go through them again I know that you have listened to them before, but listen to them again. We want to encourage this every Sunday when the messages go up just around about midnight or before. We, we encourage that you engage with it and engage with it very well so that by the time you are meeting on Wednesday, you can ask questions, you can see what God has done with you in learning that topic. We haven't got a Bible school yet in this place, but every Sunday is more or less like a Bible school, because we want to be topical, we want to be focused as to what we are learning per time. And so I want to encourage you, and uh, by the grace of God, a lot of all these topics will soon be put into curriculum, and uh, you will be the teachers delivering it in those schools. Amen. Amen. So a teacher that does not learn ahead of time will stand in front of, I've been a teacher before, where you are not prepared and you are in front of students, you will start to waffle some things. But you don't want to do that. You want to be in a place where you are prepared when the time comes and you are taking on what God says. And I believe God will do awesome things in and through our lives in Jesus' name. And so for the past eight sessions, we've looked at those things. What we have been examining are the workings of the Holy Spirit. And uh, these are diversities. The Bible says they are diversities of gifts. And God, in his own wisdom, through the Holy Spirit, administers them to individually as he wills. We have read that over and over. But we must understand that these are given to us individually, but the whole essence is not so much that we profit individually, even though we will benefit from it because the husbandman will be the first partaker of the fruits of the vine, but it is for the profit of others. So what God has put in your life is not so much about you, but for me or for your brother or sister. What God has put in my life is not so much for me, but for you. This is how we need to understand this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 tells us, we have read that many times in the course of this series, it says there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diversities of gifts, emphasis, diversities, diversities, diverse, different types. The Bible says there are diversities of gifts, plural, Several gifts, diverse in operations, diverse in style, diverse in ministration, diverse in expression, but it is the same spirit that gives them. And verse 7 says, but the manifestation of this spirit is given to each one to profit all. Verse 7, 
for the manifestation of this spirit is given to each one to profit all. So as I said, my gift is for your profit, your gift is for my profit, and it's for the profit of every one of us. We need to know this very well because if we don't have this understanding, we will not be accountable for our gifts. I don't know about you, but if somebody put money in my hand and said, this money I'm putting in your hand, Pastor Sifas comes to me and says, take this 1,000 pounds, Pastor, hold it for me. When you see Brother Ephraim on Wednesday, give it to him. I will keep that, amen. (laughs) Brother Ephraim say amen. Hallelujah. I like that kind of thing. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, I don't know about you, but I will keep that money in a different way from the way I keep my own money. Because for me, I can't afford to lose them. What will I tell Brother Ephraim? <laughs> if I lose, if he if said it was for me, I will take care of it. But you know, if it gets stolen or something, I take that as somebody's, you know, that's my loss. But how will I explain to somebody else who owns the money that the money got lost? And uh, I will keep it and do everything I can. The first opportunity I have on Wednesday, I will say, this is from Pastor Cephas to you. Hallelujah. And this is how it works. If we understand that the gifts that we have are not so much about us, we will treasure them, we will, de- we will develop them, and then we will be working hard to make sure that we are giving it to the people that truly deserve it or that have been, we have been sent to give them to. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 are very, very uh, illuminating on the gifts of the Spirit. And I want, you to, I want to encourage you as you, we round up this series for you to study those chapters particularly in this Paul's writings. But 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 26, the Bible says, How is it then, brethren? Have we got it on the screen? Thank you. How is it? Let's read it together. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together? Each of you has a sound, has a teaching, has a tongue has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Before we move on, look at the emphasis there. Address is to brethren, the group, the congregation, everybody. He said, when you come together, the group, the congregants, they're working together, not just in the building, but in your koinonia, your fellowship, your being together as one body in Christ. He said, when you come together, there is a psalm. He said, each one, somebody has a psalm. Now, a psalm is not just a song. I believe you know that. If you read the book of Psalms, you know that they are not just songs. A psalm can be a word of admonition. A psalm can be a prophecy. When the Bible says, David said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou at my right hand. That's a prophetic verse. Of, uh, that's a prophetic psalm of the ascension of Christ when he resurrected from the dead. So he says each one has a psalm, each one has a teaching, each one has a tongue, and at times teachings are, are in places, again, they can be prophetic. Teachings can also manifest miracles. The Bible says that as Jesus was teaching, the power of God was present. He can manifest healings. Teachings can manifest miracles. Each one has a teaching. Each one has a tongue. Last week, Pastor Moses dealt so surgically with the topic of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Each one has a revelation, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, the discernment of spirits. Each one has an interpretation of a given tongue that is spoken in diverse ways. He said, each one, each one, each one, each one, each one. So everybody has a gift that they ought to manifest 
Every time. The Bible says, let all things be done for what? Edification. The word edification there means the upliftment of the soul of those that are hearing. The upliftment of the souls of those that are partaking. Let all things. Somebody say, let all things. Let all things be done for edification. Hallelujah. If you go straight to verse 40, the Bible says, Let all things be done also decently and in order. Decently, verse 40, decently and in order. Which means that we must make sure that all things are done decently and in order. We do it in a place of unity. We do it in a place where we are submissive to one another in the understanding that it is a gift of the Holy Spirit to manifest. So God is the one who gives the grace for us to be able to express our individuality in this unity. And then I can now give you the title of today's session. It is the grace for individuality in unity. The grace for individuality in unity. You see, the word unity, because it means coming together and working together, has always confused people in certain instances. People think that unity means I have to lose my identity, you lose your identity for us to be united. No, God never said lose your identity. That is why the Trinity maintains its identity and the world is confused. Father is Father, Son is Son, Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit and the world is confused because the human mind does not understand how Father is Father, Son is Son, Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit and they are one. What kind of thing is that? That should be three. No. Unity does not mean that you lose identity. Unity only means you submit identity to the whole. You submit identity to make the whole. So the Father, the Son, the Bible says there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And they have their distinct identities. And that model is for us to understand. And in the body of Christ, when it says, let all things be done for edification, every one of us brings in our unique individual identities in the unity that God has commanded. God is the one who gives us grace to be able to express our individuality in unity. When we do it in the flesh, pride comes. When we do it in the flesh, we may feel inferior. When we do it in the flesh, we may feel superior. How many of you know that complexes don't always have to be superiority complex? People can have inferiority complex. People can have superiority complex. Any kind of complex whatsoever is a manifestation of the fruit of the flesh. What we must do is to go by the Spirit. The Bible says in Galatians 5.16, it says, I say therefore then, brethren, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8. 2 Corinthians 9 8. The Bible says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for what? Every good work. You know, we quote this scripture very many, very many times in this place because we need to understand the place of grace. God is able to allow you to walk in a grace that will help you to have all sufficiency at all times so that you can do your own work as God has commanded. It is by the grace of God we have been saved. It is by the grace of God we will serve. It is by the grace of God we will get to heaven. Hallelujah. Whilst we are individually endowed with gifts, 
This should help us contribute to the growth and edification of the body. Because of time, I cannot, I can take you through so many important scriptures that talk about how we should see ourselves as individuals in the body of Christ and at the same time connected. But because of time, I'll just take a few. In the course of the week, we will be going through these scriptures, so many of them to help us to understand this better. You see, if you look at Paul's writing, he first talked in the first 11 verses of 1 Corinthians 12, he talked about the distinct individual giftings and how the body of Christ is together. And he says there are diversities, where we read verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but by the same spirit. Then there are diversities of ministries, but there are differences in ministries by the same Lord, verse 5. And then verse 6 says, but there are diversities of operations or activities, but by the same God. And then it was verse 7 that says that but the manifestation of this spirit is given to profit everybody. And then it goes on, when he gets to verse, and then he begins to tell us from verse 9, he begins with verse 8 to verse 11, as we have been reading all through the last series. He begins to tell us, to one, he gave this, to some, he gave this, to some, he gave that. And he begins to tell us the different things. But when he got to verse 12, he now began to tell us how we should understand how everything should come together. Amen. So whilst these are individual gifts, unity is God's intention for the church. Unity is God's intention for the church of Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus Christ, the owner of the church himself, when he prayed, he said to the Father in John chapter 17, verse 20. Let's read it together. John chapter 17, verse 20. Let's go. We are going to read to verse 23. Read it loud and clear with confidence. Let's go. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That is, he was looking at the disciples at that time, but he said, I'm not praying only for this. So that when we read this on a day like this, we don't say, this prayer was for Peter, James, and John, and those ones that were present with him physically. He said, I do not pray for those ones alone, but those who will believe in me, which at that point in time had you and I in the list. You were at that point in time, those who will believe. And at this point in time, his, uh, that prayer is still going ahead for those who will still believe before he comes back. Hallelujah. So the Bible says, but for those who will believe in me through their word. Let's go to verse 21. Verse 21. Let's go together. That they may all may be one. Let's take it again. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. Hallelujah. Let's go to verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. Verse 23. I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. The only one evidence of the church that the world is waiting to see is the evidence of unity. The evidence of unity. Jesus did not say that they will know that you have sent me if they do all those miracles. No, he said those signs will follow them that believe. In my name they will do the works. But the evidence, the only one true evidence that will bring the world to her knees and respect the church of Christ and submit to Christ will be the unity of the church. 
This is why the devil is doing everything he can. He, the devil has no problem in people performing miracles. He has no problem in people praying for pockets of things. As long as we can stay in isolation, as long as we can live in pride and do those things, as long as we can see ourselves better than one another, he has no problem because the only one true thing that will bring the world to her knees and make them know that Jesus Christ has been sent of the Father is the unity of the church. So we must... As a matter of importance and as a matter of compulsion, work consistently for the unity of the body of Christ. And may God continue to embrace us to do so in the name of Jesus. We must learn to celebrate unity in diversity. As God did not make us diverse to confuse, weaken us, or to divide us. Many people say, but you see, we don't get along. We don't get along because we are different. Yes, you are supposed to be different. You're supposed to be different. It is the differences that God uses to bring. I always say, how many of you have ever done a jigsaw puzzle? Maybe I'm talking to an older generation now. If you've ever done a jigsaw puzzle, you know those puzzles that they bring in a box and they have pieces all over the place? 5,000 pieces, 1,000 pieces? Yeah? You've done those? Let me see your hand so that I know what I can say. Okay, that's fine. I can, I can go on. Those of you that haven't done it, after now, you ask those people who raise their hands. Say, what is it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, now, those puzzles come with a picture on the back of the pack. And the picture is usually beautiful. But when you open the pack, what you see are pieces of the picture that have different kinds of shapes. And until you painstakingly take each piece and put it in its right place, and fix it to the next one. And fix it to the next one. One, uh, uh, um, one, one, one piece has like a socket at uh, a left hand, the, at the left side of it. But the one that is going to fit at its right will have a plug. And until you get that point where you put the plug, then you see the part of the picture. Then it comes clearer. And then the top of it, and you go on like that and on like that. And you know, when you finish it, you feel a sense of accomplishment, if you've ever done those before. If the jigsaw is very complicated, it can take you days. At times, it can take you weeks to finish. Praise the Lord. And how many of you know how frustrating it is when after you've done everything and then there's that obnoxious one piece... That is the eye of the painting that nobody has ever found. You have checked under the bed. You have checked everywhere, but it's not there. And every time you look at that thing on the floor or the table where you assembled, it masks the picture. Even though you have done 499 pieces so well, that one little piece makes it look. This is how important individuality is in unity. And those parts that are shaped differently are not shaped the same way so that there can be an opportunity to connect. If they were shaped differently, you will not have the opportunity to connect. You will see voids. If we're all the same, we will have trouble. Hallelujah. The reason why he gave us diversity and made us different is so that we can understand that we are to leverage our diversity and come together. Check it out very well. Nations that have managed immigration and diversities of cultures very well succeed much better than those that have not. Check history. Nations that have found a way to accommodate various cultures and various races and people and make them, bring them into a citizenship have always fared much better. When I was a little boy growing up in my home country in the very early 70s and late 70s, around about that time, I was still very young, but I remember very clearly our nation was full of all kinds of races in Nigeria. 
and uh, we had i had a filipino math teacher i had a chemistry teacher from india i had a i had a very fantastic uh, 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 biology teacher from india chemistry teacher from pakistan and i remember how they used to dress in their traditional clothes to class every week every time we had lessons those people were brilliant they taught us things that we could never forget today i had teachers from ghana from mali i had a german dentist my my mother's uh, uh, bank he sent us to through the medical insurance to a dent a dental surgeon that was a german man i had uh, my my head teacher in primary school mrs hb lovers was married to a scottish man uh, and but she was from northeastern nigeria i remember these things just like yesterday even though it's over 40 years ago 30 40 years ago now but that was and the country was really flourishing until somebody got some idea that immigrants are the problem and they began to make life difficult for foreigners and just as if it was a joke in under five years things started to crumble things started to crumble because the giftings in those people are specifically put there by god to contribute to any society that they're in put a chinese man where nothing sells where the only thing that is left there is sand they will still sell the sand <laughs> they will still convince you to buy the sand there's no food there's no water there's nothing there put the man there he will start a business that will employ you and everybody else there how to sell sand <laughs> it is just the knack it is what they are made to do that is who they are i always like that joke that said when you witness to a chinese man and you tell them about jesus you have to define it very well because uh, there was a story of a man who said do you know jesus i want to speak to a chinese man i said do you know jesus i want you to meet jesus he said, well, I don't know Jesus, but if you give me one, I will give you two. <laughs> Just give me one, Jesus, I'll produce two for you. They said, no, it's not that kind of thing. <laughs> he doesn't know what it is, but he's so confident that whatever it is, I can produce two. Now, not everybody is like that. It is a gift. And, of course, the same way you can have those strengths is the same way we have our disadvantages as people nations but you must understand that it is the, that is just in the world now but you must understand that where we have these gifts we as a people of god must take advantage and leverage how to celebrate diversities the church where we read in first corinthians chapter 12 those of you listening to the audio we read first corinthians 12 from verse 12 to 27 as our scripture reading but if you go back to verse 12 first corinthians 12 12 the bible says that for as the body is one and has many members but all the members of that one body being many are what one body so also is christ somebody say many members, many members. One, body. one body so we must understand the importance of diversity diversity is not given by god to weaken us it's not given by god to divide us but it's given by god to help us stay together and may god continue to help us to do so in the name of jesus and it is god who sets us in the body as he pleases go to verse 18 let's read verse 18 together this one may surprise you maybe you've seen it in your bible before but i want you to read it again loud and clear let's go together but now god has set the members each one of them in the body just as he pleased i want you to read it again but now god has set the members each one of them in the body just as he pleased i want you to know that when you find yourself in any part of the body of christ at any point in time 
you have not set yourself in that place. God is the one who sets the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleases. I did not choose to do what I... I did not just sit down and tell my wife, you know, you know I like talking a lot. <laughs> I like talking. Just, you know, I think it's time I just go and plant a church. No, that's not how it is. He comes and he says, this is what I want you to do. You go ahead and do it. The same way he gave me the mandate to do what I'm doing now is the same way he gave you a mandate. Be a part of that church. Serve in the choir. Serve in the usher. Serve in the community's team. Whatever it is. And he is the one who has done so just as he pleased. If you read the parts that Dr. Keith read with us earlier on in the Bible reading and was talking about how the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I am not the body. And how the eye should not say that I am not the ear and, and so on and so forth. That does not make them part of the body. In fact, it is their connection to the body in that their individuality that gives them life. How many of you have ever seen a hand that is chopped off? And uh, it is, uh, don't go and try it. I'm just, maybe you've watched a film or something. A hand is chopped off and then you see it for some time it's wiggling and wiggling and then it just wiggles out and then it dies off. Because the moment it is no longer part of the body, it cannot be supplied with the nutrients to keep it alive. That's why the Bible says every branch in me that does not bear fruit is plucked down. And when a branch is plucked down, it only goes for some time, but it withers and dies. It is a lie of the enemy that is going around these days. A lot of people saying they have God in them, and so they don't belong to any church. They have God in them. They worship God in the secrecy of their homes, and they don't belong to any church. That is the lie of the devil. You have to be physically connected to a church. You have to be. Somebody say, you have to be. You have to be physically connected to... This is why there are many Christians that have gone off. Even though they are taking a form of it. We read a place in Second Kings chapter 2 today where Elisha was in a place. And the people say, Elisha, you see, everything looks okay here. But the water is bad. And the land is barren. It does not look like there is a problem. But we want you to know the water is bad. And the land is barren. This is the same way we must all understand... That there are many people who allow themselves to go through barrenness spiritually because they are not allowing themselves to remain in the place where God has set them. Now, the devil is the one who has a master duty to discourage unity. And one of the ways he does that is to bring discouragement to people easily. Many people, if you interview them and you say, so why don't you belong to a church? They will say the church failed them. I was in church A, they did this to me. I moved to church B, they did that to me. And so I'm at home. And if I have opportunity to tell them, I'll say, join the church. But I can assure you, church C will do another thing to you. <laughs> because the people in the church are not angels. The problem of the church today is that the church expects the clergy to be God. And the clergy is expecting the laity to be angels. If we can resolve the fact that none of us is God and none of us are angels, we are all human beings, we will solve a lot of problems for ourselves. By all means, everyone in position of leadership must model exemplary. But if the church is expecting pastors and bishops and leaders of churches to be perfect, they will continually be disappointed till Jesus comes. No one human being is perfect. Who told you that a pastor cannot tell lie if he allows himself he will lie before you even say, hey, he has done it. 
Who told you? So when he lies, you are disappointed. Who told you that if a pastor has opportunity to commit adultery, he will not commit it? He will commit it. He will commit it and even pray in tongues after. What are we talking? Am I saying it is good? It is not good. It is not of God. But you know something? If you want to preserve your salvation, look unto Jesus. I stand before you by the grace of God and by his mercies. As long as I live by the special grace of God, I will do everything I can to model exemplary leadership. I will not get by the grace of God myself into something that will bring the name of the Lord to disrepute. But you know something? I am not God. I'm not God. And no pastor is God. Any pastor that makes the people see him as God has failed. Every pastor must express his own frailty. That is where the people know that frailty can become a substance of strength even in the presence of God. The Bible says God knows all our infirmities. He knows all our weaknesses. Let us stop pretending as if we are perfect people that have everything sorted out. We don't have everything sorted out. We must come to the place. When we let this truth settle for us, some of us, by the grace of God, have allowed this truth to settle for us for donkey's years. That is why, throw me in any country, in any church. Now, as long as they say it's church, the first thing I ask is, do they believe in Jesus? Do they say Jesus is the Son of God? And they say, yeah, that's, that's fine. That's good enough for me. If I sit down there and I see the pastor smoking, I, I won't leave the place and say, because that is the only church there. I won't leave and say, that man is smoking. That, what, what, what's the problem with him? You know Why? Because I did not go there. If I can know that the Spirit of God is there. Joyce Meyer said she preached for many years. She was still smoking. And many people got saved through that time. She doesn't smoke anymore. I'm not saying she's still a smoker. <laughs> this was many years ago. This is her own story. She was still smoking. To the point where she would finish a meeting, rush into her car in the car park. Because there was no place. If she smoked outside, people would see her. And say, Joyce, you smoke. So she would go into her car. This is her own story. She will, you know how you put your car seat and lie flat where nobody will know that you are inside. She will lie flat in her own car, open the windows a bit. When people are passing, they will just be seeing smoke come out of the... <laughs> they will look inside, they can't see anybody. This was her story. I mean, this was like 30 years ago now. Or 40, if not more. But the reality is that she was walking through a process of overcoming a challenge in her own life. Everybody is walking through a process. Stop getting irritated by people who are trying, who are still working in progress. When I project manage in, 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 in projects, in consultancy, we have what is called working pro, pro, process. Uh, working what? Progress. progress. That's the word. Work in progress. W-I-P. And at times you can have 10 of them. Whips. You can have 10 work in progresses like that. When you are looking at them, you don't look at them with the eye of where they are at. Your encouragement is where the project will end. That is your enthusiasm. So you look at each project, one after the other, and you understand it is work in, projects, in progress. You understand it is work in progress. This is work in progress. That is how every believer is. The Bible says God has set every member, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Now, I haven't said all this to say that we should be complacent about where we are. We must make every effort to keep renewing our minds. We must make every... When the people around you tell you that this is a weakness of yours, don't say, that is me. I can't change. If you like it or take it, they say we are members of one body. You better be one body with me. Nah, that's not what I said. <laughs> that's not what I said. That is irresponsibility. You are a very dishonorable member. If I can tell you. <laughs> 
You need to work hard. You need to work hard. Trust God for the grace of God to continue to be transformed. Hallelujah. I will just quickly round this up by telling us three things that we must always remember about the body of Christ. When we realize this, I said about clergy, the same thing about, about uh, the, uh, the pastors. Pastors get frustrated when the people are not expect when the people are not where they expect them to be so pastors tend to or leaders tend to expect people to be perfect if everybody was perfect the rapture would take place part of the work the bible says that he placed us in so that we can all be perfected we are being transformed we are being changed so everyone who is called into position of leadership either in in full-time ministry as in heading a church setting or you are in a leadership team in a department in the church you must know how to be patient with people and encourage them to keep doing better to keep doing better to keep doing better never expect people to do what only god can do and god will continue to help us in jesus name unity is not an option that's number one i want us to know unity is not an option the idea that i can i'm a man i am an island and I, can, I, I have been a Christian for long. I know how to pray to my God. He hears my prayer. And I don't need anybody. It's a lie of the devil. Unity is not an option. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. He said, finally, all of you, be of one mind. First Peter 3, 8. Is somebody there? First Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you, be of one mind. Having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. Have compassion for one another. He said, love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Don't let your heart be hardened against your brethren. Some people's hearts have been so hardened, and they carry that hard-heartedness to every church setting. They are hard-hearted. They, they are so-called offended. They go to the next church. They are hard-hearted, so they have no compassion for people. They have no tolerance. He said, you can't afford that. Have compassion. Love as brothers. Be courteous. Be courteous. Try to avoid being the one that causes offense. Try to avoid being the one that causes offense. Try to avoid being the one. We, I used to have a very dear sister here. She's no more here, but she used to be in a department, and things used to get done. Things used to get done. If, if I say to her, sister, this, this is what we need to do, she will get it done. But by the time she has finished the work, I will say to her about four quarrels before <laughs> she would have fought this one, fought that one, fought the, but at the end it gets done. So I had to call her and say, you know, you have an ability, a gift to, to deliver. But you also need the grace to avoid having conflicts with people. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because as we are celebrating the task complete, is, then we will start another round of counseling. And <laughs> now, this, are, this is what we walk through in the body of Christ. We need to be courteous. We need to understand that it's not always all about us. What about me? What about me? What about me? Again, like Joyce Meyer would say. It's not always about me. When you go to church, it should, you should have the courtesy. I always talk about the courtesy in our country, here in Great Britain, that it is one of the most courteous countries in driving. If you don't believe me, go, I will give you a list of some countries you should go and drive, then you will know what I'm talking about. We exhibit one of the highest degrees of courtesy on, in road traffic, despite what we think, compared to even many other developed countries. Courtesy is very good. It makes life easy. When people are courteous, life is simpler. Life is smoother. When I drive here, after, after having driven for about 15 years in Nigeria, I find driving in this country like child's play. Every day I'm on the steering. I say, this is like just driving in heaven. <laughs> 
It's like in heaven you are driving. I'm telling you, when you are driven in places where you need to go out with boxing gloves, technically. <laughs> you will be on your lane. Somebody is just coming with lights and expecting you to clear. And you are like, what do I do now to this one? The one that got me was on a roundabout. When somebody faced me on a roundabout, I said, I give up, I give up. I, <laughs> I said, this is the peak of it. I mean, and we drove through all those things. So I drove like that for 15 years before coming to this country. So when I go to this country and I see people stop on a queue and all, I say, God, this looks like heaven. Are you sure I'm not in heaven yet? <laughs> because where I was coming from was nothing like that. So courtesy helps life. It makes things easier. If we are courteous with one another, a lot of the strife and the schisms will find no place. When we understand that, look, if somebody says you stepped on me, you don't need to say, where did I step on you? Your little toe or your big toe? No, 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 no. You just say, oh, I'm sorry. Simple. What does that I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I didn't step on you. I stepped on the rock. <laughs> Hallelujah. The things that we argue about, those things are not necessary. Just be tender-hearted. Hallelujah. Verse 9 says, not returning evil for evil. Even if somebody does you evil. Verse 9, please. Even if somebody does you evil, don't return evil for evil. Don't return reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, be somebody who is blessing. Knowing that you were called to this. You were called to that chaos. You were called to those discomforts. You were called to those things that will inconvenience you. You were called to those things that will be evil done against you. In, in, in my life, I'm almost 50 years old by the grace of God in a few weeks' time. And I can tell you, oh, I have heard things about me in this my little life. I have heard things about me. Some, when I hear it, I wonder whether they are talking about somebody else. <laughs> because there's no way I can relate to what they're saying. So I hear it and I say, wow, you mean that's what the person said about me? I say, God of mercy. But you know something? My work is to continue to bless. My work is continue to bless. I called somebody who was in this church some time back. I called them on, on Wednesday or so. And they were really kind of cold. And I was trying to jeer them up. Come on, how's life with you? What's going on? What? Because you see, people are not used to this. Many times when pastors, when people leave pastors, pastors used to curse them. They will say, from now as you go, all the causes of, <laughs> as you go, all the causes of this life. <laughs> that is nonsense. God did not send any pastor to cause anybody that is going. All I have always stood on is what God told me. He said, I called you. Everybody else who comes around you has come because they want to walk with you. He said, anytime they come to you and they say they want to leave, just bless them and release them. You have seen me do that many times here. But you know what? Some people think, until you cause chaos. So to make it look like problem, they have to leave church. That is a demonic strategy. If you feel like moving on or God is calling you to higher assignment or some other thing, all you need to do is to have a conversation. And we pray together. The little I know about ministry, believe me, I will tell you if you, God is calling you to ministry. I will tell you and we share and we pray. And whatever God helps us to do with you, we do. Because you know what? God, God's work will always progress. I say God's work will always progress. And so shall it continue to be for you in the name of Jesus. So unity is not an option. Psalm 133 tells us, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is good. It is like what? Verse 2. The precious oil upon the head of and running down on the beard. The beard of Aaron running down on the edge of the garment. Let's read verse 3 together. 
He said, it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The psalmist said, it is in the place of unity that they enjoy abundant life. It is in the place of unity that they enjoy life forevermore. This is why the devil knows and is doing everything he can to disunite the church. The church must remain united. There must be inter-unity, inter-church unity, and intra-church unity. What I call intra-church, meaning within a local congregation, and then one congregation with other congregations. So intra-local and inter across churches and across denominations we must work together yes we have different emphasis yes we have different focus yes we have different styles and we will continue to have those things god put them there but we must understand that as long as everyone names the name of the lord we are one together there was a time disciples of jesus christ saw some people casting out demons and praying and they said master these people are not with us and jesus gave a classical answer he said if they are not against us they are for us. Hallelujah. As long as they are not against what we preach, we are together in it. And may God continue to help us in Jesus' name. So number one, unity is not an option. Unity is not an option. It is mandated. Number two, everyone is important. Look at your neighbor for me and say, you are important. Say, you are important. And please understand. Say to them, and please understand, I am important also. Everyone is important. I told you the picture, the jigsaw puzzle, when something is missing, it is not a good thing. Romans 12, 4, he said, for as we have many members, Romans 12, 4, as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Romans 12, 4, as we have many members in one body, and all the members... Do not have the same function. Verse 5 says, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Go back to verse 4. Everyone is important. All members do not have the same function. Each person's function is important. Hallelujah. Verse 6. Very important. Verse 6 now. Having then gifts... Differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us what? Use them. Tell your neighbor for me, you have a responsibility for your individuality in this unity. Use your gift. It fuels our unity. Don't hold your gift or else you rob me of my profiting. Hallelujah. The Bible says, having then those gifts differing, let us use them to the proportion of our faith. And he began to list so many other things. So what's the first thing we must always remember about unity? Unity is not an option. Number two, everyone is important. But number three, don't be offended. I must tell you to balance it. No one is indispensable. No one is indispensable. We know the story of Judas. Judas ate with Jesus, was with Jesus. He slept where Jesus slept. I was going to say he slept with Jesus, but that can mean many things in our day and age. 
We've got to be very careful what we say. He slept where Jesus slept. <laughs> Hallelujah. He was very close to Jesus. Like Peter. Like James. Like John. Like everybody else. Thomas. But when he decided to go the way of Mammon, he lost his place. In Acts chapter 1 verse 20, there was a prophecy that already said anyone that loses a place like that must be replaced. And Peter rose up just before the Pentecost in verse 20. Acts 1 20. He said, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate. That is to say, let his action die with him. Let his wickedness die with him. He said, let no one live in that his action anymore. But let another take what? His what? Look at the scripture now. It's on the, it's on the screen. Let another take what? So the evil deed of Judas perished with Judas. But his office was still offered to somebody else. So brethren must be very careful when they go about and they think that, you know, I have this gift. Instrumentalists, thank God for the people we have in the house. We have, honestly, we have the best set of instrumentalists in the area and they are wonderful people. Let's give the Lord a big hand. I'm not saying this because I want to make them feel proud or swollen-headed. I have been in church life a long time. I've said this to you many times. What makes an instrumentalist? <laughs> Pastor Keith and I were talking this in Albania the other time. And, um, you know, what makes an instrumentalist is not the ability to play fine music. That is just part of it. It is a hallmark of it, but it is attitude. That inner person that is humble, willing to take their office, this is what makes them. The Bible says, if anyone has a negative thing, I'm just paraphrasing Acts 1.20, he said, let his dwelling place be desolate. Let no one live in it, but let another take his office. Verse 23. And they proposed Two, there were two opportunities to take one place. That's why I say no one is indispensable. They say prophesy. I say no, I, I don't prophesy. I, I, I like to prophesy the way I like. <laughs> they, say, they say God gives you a word of prophecy. Write it down. Let the church benefit from it. You say no. You say if you don't give me the microphone to preach my prophecy, then forget it. <laughs> the Bible says that one, there is a replacement of two waiting. Joseph called Basabas, who was surnamed Justus, and Matthias. Verse 26. And they cast their lots. After they prayed, they cast their lots, and their lot fell on who? Matthias. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles. And he's still here with us today. We have Matthias here today. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're a very blessed church to have Matthias that was numbered still here with us today. Hallelujah. That's a joke. But the truth is that everything that we read in those verses of scripture should make us humble. He said, the place he has left, the office he has left, somebody must take. And there was the opportunity for two. Jesus was riding into Jerusalem. They said to him, tell all your, 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 your people to keep quiet. He said, they can't. He said, but even if they do that, even what? Stones will cry out. No stone will take your place. Amen. I said, no stone will take your place. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, finally. He said, for I say to you, 
through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think what? Soberly. Soberly there doesn't mean think, think stupidly or think foolishly. It doesn't mean have inferiority complex. It doesn't mean think weak. It only means think soberly. Think in humility. Always submit yourself to the gifts and callings of God in the house. And as God helps you, God will continue to take you higher. In the name of Jesus. He has dealt to every one of us a measure of faith. We will grow in it. I say we will grow in it. In the name of Jesus. I want to assure you, brethren, that everything God has said you will do in this life, as you continue to submit to the giftings of God upon your life, not only will you see those things, you will see them multiplied in the life of as many connected to you. In the name of Jesus. It is well with you. You have a grace for being a specific, unique individual in the unity of the body. That grace will continue to work for you. Your distinctness and distinction will speak. The body of Christ will value your contributions. In the name of Jesus, it is well with you. In Jesus' name. Let's rise to our feet and just pray in just a minute.